Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight we're going to look at uh, the feeling of the Spirit. And this is what we're going to look at for the next couple of Sundays if, if y'all are interested in, in studying about the feeling of the Spirit. What does it mean? How, what are some of the uh, truths about it? What are the misconceptions? Uh, some people uh, have made whole religious denominations out of uh, misconceptions of being filled with the spirit uh, what does it mean uh, how do how do we achieve it what are the uh, aspects of it and so tonight we're going to look a little bit at, at what it entails and of course you have to look at, at acts chapter 2 to to make a proper discussion of this and so uh, there are a lot of things that lead up to uh, the Spirit being given by Jesus Christ and and uh, by given by God, and we have to understand that. Uh, again, there are a lot of people that that believe that well, salvation is contingent upon. Uh, whether or not you have the Spirit of God in you, if you demonstrate the Spirit of God, what are demonstrations of the Spirit of God? When do you get uh, the Holy Spirit? When uh, are you uh, automatically to get uh, the Spirit of God in your life? Do you uh, have to do something in order to attain the Spirit? Uh, what does it mean by being filled with the Spirit? Uh, is there a lesser degree of the Spirit of God? Uh, do certain people uh, have the Spirit of God and and uh, don't have but just a little bit of the Spirit, or uh, can you uh, or do you get the Holy Spirit and you get all the Holy Spirit? What are the what are the truths behind it, and what are the uh, 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 the the actual aspects of gaining the Holy Spirit? And so, uh, to begin with, we have to look at. Uh, this passage of scripture in Acts chapter two, and of course, uh, all of the this, the Holy Spirit coming is contingent upon a couple of things here, and and really uh, we have to begin by looking at part of Acts chapter one, because uh, Jesus says uh, uh, to his disciples uh, in Acts chapter one, uh, he talks uh, to the disciples. Uh, about the things that are to come and when they're assembled together he says to them wait for the promise of the father which saith he ye have heard of me uh, for john truly baptized with water in verse 5 but ye shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence uh, and it says that they were come together and they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? So you have to remember that uh, Jesus has been telling them about uh, the Spirit of God coming upon them after he uh, was crucified on the cross and after uh, he ascended uh, or, or excuse me, rose from the grave. And prior to his ascension, he's telling them that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit and many of them still are clinging to the old preconceived notions of what 
uh, Jesus and his ministry all meant in terms of uh, what was Jesus' ultimate goal? Was he, uh, again, you have to remember the, the mentality of the, of the Jewish individual at this time about the Messiah is, is that the Messiah would come, he would restore Israel to be uh, the, uh, the nation that it was under King David, that it would be restored as uh, a, a monarchy that would be uh, able to expel all the enemies of uh, Israel, particularly uh, at the time of, of uh, Jesus' ministry. It was the Roman uh, soldiers, all the Roman occupation. Uh, and here again, they're asking about, uh, okay, Lord, you, you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, are you now going to restore the kingdom? And uh, there are many that believe that the reason that Judas... Uh, uh, betray Jesus was not necessarily just for the money, but also to force Jesus' hand to establishing, go ahead and establish the kingdom. If you have uh, Pilate and the Romans coming after you, then you're going to call down the legions of, of angels uh, to then force the, the overthrow of Rome and to establish the kingdom. And so here they are. Uh, Jesus is about to bestow upon, uh, telling them about the Holy Spirit coming and they're still seeing it as a, uh, a sign of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of, of Israel being restored once again. And Jesus uh, says to them, Okay. Uh, it is not for you to know uh, the times or the seasons which the Father has put upon uh, His own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's verse 8. So right off, we have an understanding of what the filling of the Spirit is all about. And it was mentioned right here in this verse. The filling of the Spirit is about being a witness for God, being a witness for Jesus Christ, uh, testifying about what they had seen, testifying about the ministry of Jesus Christ, testifying not just to the people of Israel, not just the city of Jerusalem, but testifying about Jesus and about His uh, sacrifice on the cross, His death, burial, and resurrection to the whole world. That's the what it means when whenever you see in Scripture when Jesus refers to uh, not just Jerusalem but Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, that's what he's. That is almost like a, a, a colloquialism that means you take this message throughout the world, uh, and most importantly. Go beyond the Jewish family. Go beyond the Jewish tribe because remember for hundreds and hundreds of years they have been focused on keeping the tribe pure, keeping the tribe of Israel separate away from the rest of the world. And now Jesus is saying this is not just for uh, the Jewish uh, family, but for all the earth, for everyone. So uh, what Jesus is telling them is, is that soon uh, the Holy Spirit has come. Now there's a, a contingent that has to happen. Uh, Jesus uh, tells them that in a short while, they'll receive the Holy Spirit. Why didn't the Holy Spirit come immediately? Um, one of the things that, that is required is that Jesus 
be ascended into heaven before the Holy Spirit descends uh, upon the church, descends upon those who are believers. Um, uh, and that's what happens in the next verse. Jesus uh, tells them, uh, in a little while you'll receive the Holy Spirit, uh, but they didn't receive the Holy Spirit at that moment. It was not at the moment that Jesus ascended. It was in a little while. And we'll talk about what that means and the significance of that. And the purpose for all of that uh, is beyond what most of us really think about when we think about a study of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is telling them all of these things right before he ascends into heaven. And that happens in verse 9 of chapter 1. And it says, And when he had spoken these things he and beheld... Uh, he was taken up, and, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is uh, from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey. So they were outside the city of Jerusalem. They were not in the city. They were outside the city. And uh, Jesus is telling them, in a very short while, you're going to receive the promise that I've been telling you about the one who is to come, the one who is to take my place. And uh, Jesus had to raise uh, and ascend into heaven before the Holy Spirit was to come. Now let's get to the real meat of what uh, is found here, and that's found in Acts chapter 2. And it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all of one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them eleven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak uh, with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under the heaven. And now uh, when this was a noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parnithians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergamum, all these other places as uh, we go through all of that. Uh, they were all speaking in tongues, wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed, verse 12, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? And the others were mocking, saying, These men are full of new wine. And then Peter begins his uh, famous discord of the sermon uh, that's given at Pentecost. And so there's three things, three aspects of uh, the filling of the Spirit that are uh, evident here. And first of all is the fact that it was at the fullness of time, it says in verse 1. It was the exact time, the exact moment 
uh, that was uh, desired uh, by God for the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, notice that, it, as I said a moment ago, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit didn't come immediately after Jesus rose from the grave or when they uh, were chosen as disciples or uh, and became uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit didn't fill them. Uh, up and before this, uh, the Holy Spirit typically would come upon an individual for a short, short, short period of time uh, and to accomplish a certain task. Most of the time it was a prophetic utterance uh, by a prophet uh, to deliver a certain message uh, and then the Spirit would leave that individual during uh, the time of the judges. Uh, many times uh, you hear about uh, the Spirit of God coming upon that particular judge, and the Spirit of God was upon that uh, judge during the time of, uh, that he uh, was the judge over Israel during that portion of history until uh, his, his or her passing. Uh, and the other times that the Spirit came upon individuals was kings, uh, the kings of Israel uh, during their reign. Uh, and famously, we uh, read about Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Uh, the Spirit of God came upon him uh, before he was uh, even established his kingdom. Uh, but he, he had already been revealed as the, uh, the king, but he was, fell amongst the prophets and uh, prophesied amongst them. And people asked him, asked if Saul was uh, now a prophet. And then, uh, but what was so significant was is that the Spirit of God left Saul and he didn't even realize it. Uh, and so the Spirit of God fell upon individuals like kings uh, throughout the history of Israel, but not upon everyone uh, as indicative of the fact that of what the Spirit does uh, in the Christian life now. And so what I want us to look at is, is that uh, the Spirit of God uh, fell upon the... Uh, the disciples at Pentecost. What's the significance of that? Well, uh, first we have to understand and remember what Pentecost is. Pentecost was not established when the Spirit of God fell upon uh, the disciples as making it a, uh, a time of celebration or a time of feasting for the Israelites. They were already worshiping at Pentecost, that was why they were all there. Uh, what was Pentecost? It was the uh, Feast of First Fruits. It was, uh, it was one of the feasts that, that commemorated the, uh, the children of Israel being liberated from uh, slavery in Egypt. Now, uh, the first uh, uh, memorable moment of the Israelites related to being delivered from Egypt was the Passover. Remember that? Now the Passover is significant because the the death angel passed over the homes of the Israelites when they had the blood splattered on the lentil and uh, they were all under the safety and the protection of the blood. But any home that didn't have the safety of the blood 
what happened. The firstborn of that family uh, was slain by the death angel. And it was because of the actions of the death angel that upon the Egyptians that caused Pharaoh to finally allow the Israelites to be uh, released. I, I believe more than anything uh, that this uh, the, the death angel coming and the Passover was judgment upon Egypt more than anything uh, because uh, we saw time and again how God was uh, working in the heart of Pharaoh and we've talked about this in the study of the, uh, the, the exodus of the Israelites that each of the plagues was designed by God to demonstrate His power over the gods that, that was exhibited in the, the plague that was uh, given. And I, I firmly believe that this uh, last uh, plague or the death angel was a judgment upon Egypt for all the things that they had done against the Israelites. Uh, but anyway, the, uh, the Passover happened on a specific day. It's the 14th of Nisan. And they were to always remember that date and to celebrate that date. Uh, and each year, the Israelites always uh, had a uh, a remembrance of the Passover. Uh, the Passover supper was always something that they did uh, to rem- commemorate that, that moment. And uh, so Pentecost is 50th. It means pen, uh, Pentecost means 50th. It's the 50th day from the uh, Passover. And it is the 50th day that is another uh, day of remembrance. And it's the, uh, they have the two of the first fruits uh, festivals. They had the first, uh, the first fruits of the barley harvest. And then you have the first fruits. Uh, celebration of the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And the 50th day is uh, the, the barley harvest festival. The first fruits was to uh, predict how the, the first fruits of the harvest was, was where they would go in and they'd glean uh, from sections of, the, har- of the, the harvest to determine how good the harvest was going to be. And it was at that time that they were to, to celebrate and uh, commemorate the blessedness of God all upon the people for the harvest. And it was also the time in which uh, they commemorated the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. They, uh, it was 50 days after they left Egypt before they got to Mount Sinai and received the, the law of Moses or the law of God, Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And so uh, there uh, is significance in the fact that they are coming together. It's the coming together for this feast that has brought people from all over the world back to Jerusalem for this time of feasting. It's, it's a time where people from uh, places where the Israelites have been exiled and now they're free in order to come back to Jerusalem to be able to worship at the time of uh, the feasting of the Pentecost. And it's at this point that God delivers the Spirit of God upon them so that they can then share the gospel message with all of these people. The, the power, it says, in the fullness, uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
They were all with one accord in one place. So they were, uh, all the disciples were in one place. And uh, so we see that it's significant because it's Pentecost. They were also of one spirit, of one uh, accord. They were all in accordance. Uh, they were, and this, this speaks to uh, the condition of the heart. Not only are the disciples together in one place because Jesus told them to be there uh, because something might happen or was going to happen, but they were all in unity with each other. They were united in purpose and desire to serve God. They were united in devotion to Jesus Christ. They were uh, united in uh, the fact that they were ready and waiting. And what is, the, uh, what is it that happened? In verse 2, it says, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, I just read that. What is it that came from heaven? Many people would say a rushing wind. No, it, it says, and it, and it came like a rushing wind wind. This is the same mistake people make when they study about uh, the baptism of Jesus when they say the Spirit of God fell upon Jesus like a dove. A lot of people think and visualize the Spirit came, came, uh, that a dove came and lighted on Jesus' shoulder and that was the Spirit of God. No, it says the Spirit of God descended like a dove, not that it was a dove, not that it was symbolic of a dove or similar to a dove or a bird at all, but rather it was uh, that was the Spirit of God that came and descended upon Jesus. And in this instance, the Spirit of God f- suddenly filled the, uh, the room with a sound like a rushing wind. So it wasn't necessarily a rushing wind, um, but there's, and there's significance to this as well. Uh, I've shared a couple of different things about uh, the Spirit of God in prior services. And uh, one of the things that is significant about the Spirit of God is, is that uh, it's a word in Hebrew that is used to describe this and other situations of uh, a wind, a blowing, a uh, exhaling. In Genesis, where it says that, uh, that God created man out of the dust of the earth and kneeled down and blew within his nostrils the breath of life. And that is a word called ruha, which is a Hebrew word that refers to the breath of God going, filling the lungs of God's creation and creating man. Uh, that same word is the word that is used throughout Scripture for uh, the Holy Spirit. And it's the word, uh, it is uh, the reference to that word that is used here in the Greek referring to uh, the Spirit of God descending upon them is that same breath of God. Uh, I believe it is uh, the Holy Spirit that is descending from them uh, on upon them uh, with the sound like a rushing wind. And of, of course, we see in other places in Scripture where the Spirit of God is referred to as a uh, like a rushing wind, uh, the breath of God, those kind of things. And so here is the Holy Spirit coming down and uh, it's... Uh, uh, 
uh, it appears unto them like cloven tongues, like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And so uh, here is here are the twelve disciples. They're sitting in the upper room. They're uh, they're uh, uh, separated from everyone else. They're waiting where Jesus Christ told them to wait, and they are uh, waiting for. Uh, the Holy Spirit to come, and the Holy Spirit comes, and what's the effect of the Holy Spirit coming? It's not the effect is not the rushing wind. The effect is not the tongues that are coming upon them. It says uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews devout men out of every nation under heaven. And it talks about those Jews from all the other nations understanding and hearing the voice, uh, the voices of the disciples in their own language. And so what we have here is not the, uh, the uncontrolled babbling of, of the disciples in a language that no one understands or as uh, some uh, uh, groups, denominations talking about uh, angel language or anything like that. These disciples were speaking specific languages. When it says tongues here, it's not a glossus, glossolalia. It is not a glossolalia of a utterance that is uh, un, not understood by others and is not discernible, but rather distinct languages. That's what the word tongue here means rather than uh, just an utterance or babbling. It's a distinct language because all of the uh, Jews from other places heard them. And it says, uh, when the when the noise was heard abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language or tongue. Okay? And so they were all amazed and marveled, saying, uh, to one another, behold, are not all of these uh, which speak Galileans. So they understood and knew that all of the disciples were Galileans. They shouldn't be able to speak all these diverse languages, but yet they were speaking not just languages like they would have learned if they would have studied it and had been able to pick up another language, but they heard them speak as if they were native speakers from their own country speaking. And so uh, that's the effect of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose is, is so that the gospel message can be shared with all of those who are there at one time. What a convenient thing to happen for the Holy Spirit to fall upon the disciples to be able to share the gospel message to people that are from all over the earth. What are, what's going to happen in a couple of days when the the festival is over. Well, all those people are going to go back home and they have heard the gospel message. They're all Jews, so they understand the prophecy related to the Messiah. They all understand the significance of what uh, is happening at the time and the role that Jesus plays in uh, the fulfillment of God's promise as the Messiah. And now they're taking all of that knowledge, all of that understanding of the Messiah and of Jesus as the fulfillment of that prophecy and carrying it all over the world back home where they are uh, living and being able to spread the gospel to all those places. So uh, the the filling of the Holy Spirit at this moment in time, at this per, uh, particular 
moment in time is to, to be able to spread the gospel throughout all. The, that's the whole point of the Spirit of God falling upon them at this very moment. And show that the Holy Spirit can go, uh, I mean, the, so that the Spirit of God can cause them to be able to, to testify and give witness to these. And it was a tremendous uh, uh, result, wasn't it? Here's Peter, he begins to speak <coughs> and he addresses them all as uh, brothers uh, of Jerusalem, all these Jewish uh, people listening, and he addresses them and tells them the significance of what the disciples are sharing. And he begins to share uh, a message that they will go uh, into their hearts and 3,000 people respond that day uh, with the gospel message and they carry that message throughout the world. That is the sole purpose and the significance of the Spirit falling at that moment. Now, there are times in which the Spirit of God doesn't fall immediately, but now we understand that the Spirit of God comes upon a person when they accept Jesus Christ into their life. At that moment, they receive the Spirit of God. At that moment, uh, the individual receives it. But uh, Paul and uh, other disciples encounter people who haven't had the Spirit come upon them and uh, it's not related necessarily to being baptized or anything. The disciples here, not a bit of water mentioned here, nothing about being baptized and then all of a sudden uh, the Spirit coming upon them or anything like that. Uh, but at other times we see the Spirit falling upon people after they are baptized into the faith. And so we're going to talk about for a while, a few weeks, about the significance of the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit doing in our lives now? We've seen what the Holy Spirit's purpose is in the life of the church at this moment. How did it become something uh, uh, that was is related to whether or not a person is saved, whether or not a person has to do anything to receive the Holy Spirit, whether or not a person uh, automatically receives the Spirit when they get saved? All of these things we'll discuss in the weeks to follow as we as we study more about the Holy Spirit and the significance and the role. But this is the first appearing of the Holy Spirit in uh, the Bible falling upon the disciples and what a wonderful thing to think about in terms of our own role here at our church of sharing the gospel, of carrying out the gospel. It's not... Uh, so many times we think about, well, it's our our job to go out and win lost people. It's our job to go out and reach people to, to get them to come to church. It's our job to do all these things. And... Uh, right here we see evidence of the fact that it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to, uh, to fill the lives of individuals and to, to call them to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's responsibility and the Holy Spirit working in the lives of Christians willing to allow the Spirit of God to work in their life to spread the gospel and to fill it. So many times people get afraid to share their faith because they're afraid they don't have the right words to say, the right way of conveying it, the way, uh, the right way in which to, uh, to be able to, to witness to someone, lead them to Christ. They feel like, well, I don't have the right words or anything. And here, what a liberating thought to, to, for every Christian to understand and know that it's the Spirit's working in all of us 
that gives us the ability to share the gospel and to testify. None of the disciples went through a program like Evangelism Explosion or uh, none of the disciples went through uh, like uh, the faith program or any of other, other these other things that taught them how to share their faith. They just simply had the Spirit of God moving and working in their life, being willing for the Spirit of God to move in their life, uh, to be in unity with God and with Christ in their life and allowing the Spirit of God to move. And so they were able to share the, the faith that had a tremendous revival outcome, right? <laughs> 3,000 people. That would be a wonderful thing to see today, wouldn't it, Just to be at a revival where 3,000 people accept Christ into their life. That would be a tremendous thing. And so uh, we're going. it's important for us to learn about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life and what it means to be filled with the Spirit and what it means uh, how we receive the Holy Spirit in our life and His work in our life. So we're going to look at that for the next couple of weeks and this will be a, uh, a wonderful study to have. I, I believe it will not take us a year to go through. <laughs> at least I hope and pray it won't. <laughs> <coughs> that's right that's right let's join together for prayer gracious father lord we thank you and praise you for your great love and we praise you that you allow us to study your word lord help us to understand uh, your work in our life and lord help us to be free to uh, to allow you to work in us and through us lord that you might be glorified that you might be lifted up and that your word might go forth in jesus name we pray amen